Hello, listeners, and welcome back to episode three of Deadly Ever After. My name is Elizabeth. I'm Harry. Okay. And I'm so excited for this episode today, you guys, because this is literally one of my favorite true crime stories in the whole lexicon. And I really, I basically know every true crime story. I've listened to every podcast. I've read a bunch of books. I know who Anna Rule is. And this story is, it's got everything, Harry. It's classic. So Mm -hmm. could you muster a little more enthusiasm, please? Um. Yeah, uh, we've got a great episode uh, for you guys. Um, uh, sorry, who who is it um, on again? Well, I'm I'm gonna announce that. Just oh, okay. Just tone wise, okay. All right. All right. So, okay, get excited, everybody. This week's episode is John List. In 1965, John List was 40 years old. He was a super successful businessman working as a vice president and comptroller of a bank in Jersey City, New Jersey. He had been married to Helen Taylor for 20 years, and he had three children, John Jr., Patricia, and Frederick. The List family lived in a 19-room mansion called Breeze Knoll in Westfield, New Jersey. The couple bought the house for $50,000, which is about $440,000 in today's value. John's elderly mother, Alma, who was a widow, also lived with them in a separate apartment on the third floor of the house. Uh, the lists were devout Lutherans, and they attended church on a weekly basis. Yes. Oh, um, no, no, I just, yeah, this is. I wonder what's going to happen next. If you had asked any member of the list family, aside from John, if much had changed six years later in 1971, they would have likely said no. They lived in the same town. The kids were in school. They were up to the same things. But unbeknownst to them, John List had been fired from his high-profile job at the bank. He landed several jobs in the months afterwards, but was fired from all of them because of his, quote, personality flaws, end quote. Instead of telling his family, though, John List lapsed into deep, deep denial. He woke up at the same time every morning, dressed in a suit, and left the house, briefcase in hand, as if he were headed to work. Instead, he sat at the train station for eight hours, reading newspapers and waiting, killing time until it was 5 p.m. and he could return home, as he had done every other day for the past six years. I mean, so that's pretty insane, right? Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe this is not the time to um, to say this, but uh, I feel that... Um, well, I feel maybe it is the time that... Um, because it's it's really not a big deal, um, actually. But remember, remember when I was between jobs two years ago? Yeah. And um, you know, and it was only like, you know, it was I got I got that job like pretty, pretty quickly actually. Like you know, after after I left. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, it's I, I got it. Yeah. It's, it's all in the past now, but I did for like seriously like literally only like two days i did kind of the same thing until i had the because i just like my headspace i was in just going you know in the headspace of going to work every day so it made sense that i would you know drive and just park out the front of you know um the place where i got fired but you know that was you just drove to the school and sat in the parking lot like you're a predator watching no, I was it wasn't like that, you know. It's, I was in a stuff car, car park, but um, and then you know, obviously they they saw me there, and I didn't do it anymore. And that's and that's when I told you about what had happened, and then but then I got a new job, so you know that's why I was like, oh, it's it's okay that I can just tell you this now. Can we not talk about this right now? Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. So we'll chat about it after off air. Uh, cut to December seventh, nineteen seventy one. Edwin Iliano is Patricia List's high school drama teacher, and he's worried. He and Patty were particularly close, and he thought it was weird that none of the List children had been to school in almost a month. Administrators had received a phone call from John List in early November, explaining that the family would be out of town for several weeks, but Edwin still had a strange feeling. He remembered that Patty had once told him that if their family ever went on vacation, that her father had killed them. The lists were not a family who vacationed, especially not for an entire month. 
So Edwin decided to investigate. Well, he- we're not a family that we're not. Well, we're not really. We're we're not a couple that um that vacations. But so I don't know if that's yeah because we're budgeting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I just want I just want to like I'm just conscious of the fact the fact that some of the, our listeners might be like, oh well, we don't vacation. Are we are we bad people? It's like no, no, that's totally normal. Do you like, go to work telling everyone that if you and I ever go on vacation that I've murdered you? No, no, no. I don't mean that. I mean not vacationing. Like I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I wouldn't say that. I think. Edwin decided to investigate. He convinced a friend to go with him to Breeznoll to check on Patty. They drove over, knocked on the front door, but received no answer, so they peeked in the windows. The neighbors noticed Edwin and his friend prowling around the property, so they called the police. The neighbors had also been wondering what was going on at the List house for a while, because no one had seen the List family for 28 days. And this was actually normal for them, because this family was extremely antisocial. They were reclusive, uh, they stayed in the house, and they did not socialize with anyone in the neighborhood. The neighbors said they knew John List as the guy who wore a suit and tie while he mowed the lawn. But the neighbors had noticed something strange. All the lights in the List house had been on day and night for the entire month of November. Uh, They started to see the rooms in the house go dark as the bulbs burned out one by one. When the police arrived, Edwin explained who he was and why he was at the house. The officers agreed to investigate, so they found an unlocked window leading into the basement. They climbed inside, and the first thing that hit them was the overwhelming smell of dead bodies. Ooh. Yeah, didn't see that coming, did you? Um, uh, Yeah, not quite, but I mean, whenever I hear something like this, I just imagine, like, what does does that smell like? Like, uh, does it smell as does it smell as bad as your cooking (laughs) uh it smells as bad as when you forget to take the garbage out and we miss the pickup and then we have two weeks worth of garbage in our garbage bin and it fills up with maggots and i have to clean it out with the hose that's what it smells like um yeah i'm not gonna do that again please don't keep that part in because that's that's embarrassing to you as well to be honest as police move through the house The second thing they noticed was organ music blaring over the house intercom. Apparently, John List had set up a recording that played the music on repeat. The police continued investigating, and when they reached the ballroom, that's how fancy this house was. Uh, It had a proper ballroom. They discovered the decaying bodies of Helen, Patricia, Frederick, and John Jr. all lined up on top of sleeping bags. Each member of the List family had been shot once in the back of the head with a 9mm handgun, except for John Jr., uh, John Jr. was allegedly John List's favorite of his children, and he had been shot 10 times in the face and the chest. Ooh. Police continued to search the house, and when they reached the third floor, they found the body of John List's mother, Alma. She had been shot once in the face, just above her left eye. Uh, the medical examiner later determined that, the, determined that the List family had been dead for about a month by the time their bodies were discovered. I mean, and it was November in New Jersey, so it's pretty cold. So they're probably like mildly well-preserved, but that's still mm. pretty rank. Mm. Police searched John List's study extensively and they found five letters that he had handwritten. Uh, the weirdest one was written to the descendants of the original owners of Breeze Knoll. John List had collected photos and documents pertaining to the house and included them in the letter. So I guess he just like, the people who built the house, mm. their grandson or whatever, they got a, a letter from John List. The most important and damning letter was addressed to Eugene A. Renwinkel, John List pastor at the Redeemer Lutheran Evangelical Church. It detailed the whole story of what had happened to the List family. On November 9th, 1971, after his children left for school, John walked into the kitchen where his wife Helen was sitting at the table. She was drinking her morning coffee when John silently shot her in the back of a head without saying a word. John List then went upstairs to his mother's apartment on the third floor. They stood face to face as he shot her once above the left eye. He then drove to the bank and he closed both his and his mother's bank accounts. Um, Mm. He also cashed in his mother's savings bonds. He returned home from the bank and sat down at his desk in the study to write the five letters that the police would eventually find. It's not reported who he wrote the other three letters to. I Googled, I tried to find it, but uh, yeah, nobody knows, I guess. What did the letters say exactly? Well, I'm telling I'm telling you. Oh, okay. 
John called the woman who drove his kids to school every day in like a neighborhood carpool. And he told her that Helen's mother was sick. So the whole family were going to visit her in North Carolina for a month. So the kids wouldn't need a ride to school. Um, John said he would let her know when they would be back in town. He then called his children's school and told them the same story. Uh, he then canceled the newspaper and milk deliveries. And he called the post office and asked them to hold the mail until further notice. Uh, by this time, it was noon. So John List naturally was hungry. He went downstairs into the kitchen and made lunch. And he sat down at the kitchen table where he had just shot his wife a few hours earlier. And he ate. Uh, at this time, he had cleaned the blood up after the murder, but I think her body was still on the kitchen floor. And after lunch, John List gathered up all of the family photos in the entire house and cut himself out of every single one so that they showed Helen, the kids, and a tall, faceless man. By this time, it was early afternoon, so John waited for his children to come home from school. Patricia was 16 and was very into the theater program at her school, uh, as mentioned earlier. She'd actually been caught smoking weed recently, and she told her father she wanted to pursue an acting career. And when she arrived home, John List shot her in the back of the head. Frederick, the youngest child, was only 13, and he arrived home shortly after Patty. John List shot him in the back of the head. John Jr., who was 15, had a soccer game after school. John List drove to the school and watched the game. He then drove John Jr. home and tried to shoot him in the same vein as the rest of his family. But it's speculated that John Jr. kind of realized what was happening and fought back because, as I already said, um, John List wound up shooting his son in the face and the chest more than 10 times. Mm. So uh, one could say that he things didn't go to, uh, according to plan with John Jr. Right. John List later admitted in court that he shot his family in the back of the head because he didn't want them to be aware of what he was doing. And in the letter to his pastor, John List confessed that his motive was due to the, the era they were living in. He wrote that the 70s was a very sinful time and his family was succumbing to temptation, especially his daughter, uh, because of her interest in acting, which John List viewed as being particularly corrupt and linked to Satan. So, and there's also the um, the marijuana she was smoking as well. Well, right, yeah, that's. I mean, it's the '70s; it's everywhere. Mm. Um, yeah, not to say that 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 justifies her um, brutal slaying, but um, in his, I'm trying to get inside his mind. Why? Um. Well, I, th I thought that's. I thought that's what we were doing. We're just trying to get into the mind of these killers and work out what makes them tick, right? No, no, I am doing this to tell the stories of the victims and people who are voiceless, give a voice to the voiceless. In this case, mm. John's entire family. Okay. Okay. John um, sorry, but I haven't been on the same page there. I was... Harry, I email you show notes every week as if this were, were our jobs, as if this is a professional podcast, which obviously it fucking isn't, but I would like it to be someday. Do you even read the emails I send you? I, um, I do. I do. But, um, you know, I've got, I've got uh, you know, I've, I'm, I'm the breadwinner here. I've got, I've got things on my, on my plate as well to think about, you know, I can't just sit around reading emails the whole time. Don't have time for your wife's stupid little fucking true crime podcast that might go viral. Well, obviously I do. I'm I'm sitting here recording it with you now, aren't I? Well, not with me, but oh, John anyway, said. Um, I think I, I feel all right. No, say what you're gonna say. Oh no, I bet you know. Um, we might have our disagreements, but um, I think now that I I am clearer that. The, about what what our goal is here and um and i i do want to um um pay respect to the victims as well if if it's come across that um i um that i've been sympathizing with the 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 um the serial killer types um too much that's uh that's not where that's not me um and i just want to make that clear to our, our listeners and 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 patreon patreons like uh who was it before was it oh did you by the way did you send that merch out to adrian uh h did you I, get a chance to 
no. And I asked you not to bring this up on the show because it's embarrassing. Um, she actually, she's not our, our patron because she, oh. she meant to subscribe to true crime bullshit. And if you're listening, Josh Hallmark, Hallmark hello, sorry for, for fucking up your name. Um, I'm actually a really big fan. Would love to like interview you at some point. Um, well, we're not going to do interviews. We, are we? Well, that can be our bonus content for when we have patrons. Right. But we have, what happened? So Adrian H, well, she just got the wrong. Yeah. It was a mistake. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank God I didn't kill oh. her sticker. Waste of postage. Oh, or maybe, I don't know, like maybe if you, or maybe if we had have sent out uh, stickers to her earlier, she might still be a patron. Oh, me now? Patreon. You, you're helping me in Photoshop design the merch? Because last time I checked, it was me alone on the couch. There's a we now? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, to, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to try to design another logo, but, you know, or sticker or whatever, but um, honestly, uh, I'm not, after what you said with my first attempt, I don't know if I should. Well, will you make it sound like I was insulting you? Harry, I just said that you have other strengths and that you don't understand design principles. Okay. I'm not insulting you. It's just, you don't get it. And that's fine. Some people just don't fucking get it. Okay. Or rules. Fine. Um, exactly. Well, this is, that's kind of what I'm, yeah, I'm talking about, but anyway, let's, let's continue. John said he saw too much evil in the world and he killed his family to save their souls. He said he didn't kill himself because suicide is a mortal sin and that would prevent him from someday going to heaven. John List confessed to his pastor that he was also having non-spiritual problems. For one, he admitted that he had been stealing money from his mother for quite some time to cover his expensive mortgage since he had been secretly unemployed for months. But even the stolen money couldn't cover all his debts, and he continued to fall further behind on payments and owed $11,000 on his mortgage, which is over $75,000 in today's money. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, wow, that's not too bad, given our, given our situation. Um, but yeah, 75, that's, um, that's a lot. And this was in addition to all the other bills he had been failing to pay for the last several months as well as the remaining balance on the house. So he's, he's defaulting on the mortgage and the, you know, you, the mortgage is the, um, help me out. What's the word? Um, the, uh, the big, um, the big spender. No, the big, the big, um, uh, burden. What? No, that's no. It's like like mortgage House? is just. Sorry. No, it's like um. So he owe he still owes money on this house. He bought it for fifty thousand dollars, and it's like mm -hmm. he didn't buy it outright, right? He probably had like ten thousand, so he still owes forty, but he's eleven thousand dollars behind on the mortgage. So it's like he really owes over like fifty thousand dollars. Is what I'm trying to say. Oh, uh, uh, okay. And then he's like behind on electricity and like probably the water bill and all this other shit. Mm. but this yeah, i don't get why he left all the lights on in the house if he's so behind in the with the um electricity and stuff like you would have thought that that would have been at the forefront of his mind well and he's got all, the, left all the lights oh, okay. okay but this wasn't the only problem in the list family apparently john's wife helen was a verbally abusive alcoholic with some mental instability John claimed she had forced him to purchase Breeznol for her, even though he knew they couldn't have quite afford it, despite his large salary at the time. The last line of List's note to his pastor was a postscript that said, mother is in the hallway in the attic slash third floor. She was too heavy to move. After finishing- Wow. I mean, that's just insult to injury. Like, Yeah. I mean, know, that's the- you, Yeah. Yes. I'm all about body positivity and- Shut up. Yeah. You're not. I know what well, Instagram accounts you follow. Yeah. Well, no, there's a lot of, you know. Yeah, you're not following yeah, plus size models. You're, you're such a bullshit. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. 
and I'm pr proud of it, to be honest. After finishing these letters, John List retrieved sleeping bags from the basement, placed his family's corpses on top of them, and dragged each body into the ballroom, which was completely empty, by the way, devoid of any like decoration or furniture, probably because they couldn't afford it. He put a piece of cloth over the face of each body. Um, afterwards, he went into the living room and fed his children's pet fish for whatever reason. And then are you ready for this is like the, the creepiest detail. Then he went upstairs into the master bedroom and went to sleep. Ooh. He slept in the house that night. John List woke up the next morning and got dressed. He turned the thermostat all the way down. See, he was worried about the bills in some way. Hmm. Turned on every light in the house, turned the organ music on full blast, and left Westfield, New Jersey, never to return. Hmm. So does that answer your question? Right. The, he, at that point, um, you know, he'd just been driven mad by the the endless debts that um, society had, had kind of placed on him with the, the electricity bill and demands of a marriage and things like that. But, um, yeah, I guess, I guess at that point he'd lost his mind. Yeah, in so many words, Harry. Hmm. Once police finished reading the letter and learned all of this, a nationwide manhunt was launched for John List. Unfortunately, he already had a month's head start. Police investigated hundreds of leads without success, especially since John List had destroyed all recent photographs of himself. Police found John List's car parked at JFK Airport, but checking all airlines failed to produce a ticket, and police realized that he probably didn't board a flight. At this point, police had to face reality. John List was gone. You, you wouldn't last long in this situation, you know, due, due to how, well, yeah, just thinking about how often you, you're posting on Instagram, like, you know, coffee cups and stuff like that. Like if you're on the run, people would find you like that. No, they wouldn't because I am always doing later gram posts. So when I posted I'm on a certain coffee shop, that was like five hours ago. So I would actually be really good at being on the run. Thank you very much. I think they just go to that, go to this last Starbucks you're at, you're at and, you know, uh, did you, did you say this woman? Yep. She was just here. She headed in that direction. 30 minutes later, you, you'd be, that'd be it. Well, at least I'm interesting enough to be on the run. You're too fucking boring. I am on Instagram. I just don't post. 18 years later on May 21st, 1989, the murders were featured on the true crime TV show, America's Most Wanted. Harry, ever heard of it? Nope. We've watched it together. Oh, oh the one with the um, uh, kind of stocky presenter with the silver hair? Yeah. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, I do know that one. Because there weren't any photos of John List, a forensic artist named Frank Bender was hired to create an age-progressed clay model of what John List would likely look like, now age 64. Bender consulted a, foren a forensic psychologist who created a psychological profile of John List. Um, the psychologist looked at photographs of List's parents and predicted what he would look like as he aged. So Frank Bender gave him um, a receding hairline, a sagging jawline, and a pair of glasses, which John List was known to wear before he fled New Jersey. And Frank Bender didn't think that John List would be vain enough to start wearing contact lenses as he grew older. Um, but he thought that John List would have adopted like a different style of frames to those he wore during the 70s. So he gave him a very specific style of glasses on this um, clay model, which was featured on the episode. Uh, and after the episode aired, Police received dozens of tips because it turns out that Bender's model was almost identical to John List's real life appearance. Mm -hmm. Less than two weeks after the broadcast, police found John List living in Richmond, Virginia, and arrested him at the accounting firm where he worked. Hmm. That's all you have to say is, hmm? Well, I was just thinking, like, it's pretty, you know, amazing craftsmanship that he could create that, that um, model you know, based on uh, the, you know, using the, the age progressed uh, model. Um, but I also remind me of like, and this is just like, this is kind of like you with the, 
you know, um, Starbucks Instagram posts, like you just could, like, it would be, it'd be so much easier to do that now. Cause you just got like those apps like that, that you remember that one that we were having fun with where it sh- like it shows, shows, it shows you with like as an old person mm-hmm. yeah, and it, and it changes your face. So you look like an old person, like you just use that. And then if, you know, boom, you just, you would be, you'd have like, cause that was, I thought that was really accurate, you know, like, I mean, how can you say it's accurate? You're not old yet. I mean, you're, you're old, but you're not that old. No, I mean, yeah, but you know, like I, I imagine the one we did of you is going to look like you in, you know, like 15 years at 20, more like 25, sorry, but you know. Not if I can get the surgeries that I want to get. Well, yeah, I don't know if you really, you know, like I, I said, I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll love, love you the way you are. And it doesn't, even if you turn out like that photo, the thing you've you've got other things to worry about. It has nothing to do with love. Okay. First of all, was that a threat? What do you mean? Have other things to worry about? No, (laughs) I Peloton five times a week. Thank you very fucking much. And yeah, it has nothing to do with love. I'm going to do what I want to do to my face. And as I get older, my face is going to change. And if I can change it back in a different, younger direction, then why wouldn't I do that? Oh, I'm fine with that. You know, like if, yeah. You know, like if it, if it, yeah, I just don't want, you know, if you feel to go for something tasteful, like, um, you know, like what um, Madonna um, did, like, that's fine. But if uh, I just don't want you to have like some plastic surgery nightmare, you know? No, I, I think he would secretly love it if I wound up unbotched. Actually, that's what I think. I think you would think that was really funny in your little fucked up perverse way. John List had been living under the alias Robert Clark ever since he had fled Westfield, New Jersey, 18 years earlier. List refused to admit his true identity for months while he was held in police custody, insisting his name was Bob Clark. After a few now, months, now you're probably going to get to this, um, but at this point, where is the real Robert Clark? What? There is no, it's fake. Harry, it's all fake. There is no Bob. Okay. okay. Well, I was glad I asked because if that's the case, then you weren't going to get to it. Yes, I, um, yes, I And know. the audi- audience, the audience like me, were probably wondering, uh, where is, what's Robert Clark doing right now? You're not even so, an audience member because you don't even fucking like true crime. And I don't even know why I included you in this. So you're ruining it. Hermie thinks you're doing it on purpose, to be honest. I'm you're just, just having a successful wife. Just admit it. That's... Probably. I'm going to be bringing this up to Joyce on Saturday. Sure. She'll tell me what, she, what is wrong. Not if, not if I don't bring it up first. You're texting our therapist during off hours because pretty sure that's a violation of her boundaries. Well, she asked us not to do that. She's my therapist too. Just because we see her on separate days doesn't mean no, she's it's that's the whole, Harry. She's our therapist. It's not you're so <sighs> you're so possessed. It was my idea. It wasn't your idea. She was my therapist first. Yeah, it was my idea that you go to therapy. Are you fucking kidding me? I didn't even the reason I went to therapy had nothing to do with you. It's to deal with my parents' divorce. Thank you very much. No, look, look, it was your idea. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not doubting that, but I think, I think you only got the idea because I, we had that, you know, that kind of nasty argument and, and I said something like, oh, you know, you should go get your head checked or something like that. But, you know, no, I, I, you know, maybe that wasn't helpful for your, um, nothing you ever say to me is helpful, just so you know. Well, you know, that's put, why don't you bring that up, that comment up with Joyce? Yeah, she'd agree with me. It's not a comments fact, Harry. All you do is make my fucking life harder. Okay. I'm going to have to speak to Joyce one-on-one. After suffering. I feel like she's taking your side a bit too much. As she should. She's my therapist. Okay. After several months, police matched Bob Clark's fingerprints with those on John List's old military records, as well as on evidence found at Breeze Knoll. 
And on February 16th, 1990. Okay. Okay. Well, look, if Bob Clark doesn't exist, then how come he's got fingerprints? Oh my, it's for, it's for the story. I'm trying to tell a coherent story and you're interrupting me constantly. I'm the voice of the listener. You're not the voice of the listener. You're the voice of the listener's fucking annoying husband who's in the kitchen in the background who doesn't understand. He's only listening to half the episode and he's asking questions like an old woman at a movie theater and you just want to be like, shut the fuck up and wait and everything will be explained to you. That's who you are. And the, I mean, this is one reason why it's a shame that Adrian H has left us because this is something that we could have asked in a Patreon poll, you know, like is, is Harry the voice of the listener? Agree or disagree? I'm not even you know? gonna, I have a half a mind not even to release this episode because it's been such a fucking nightmare. Good. But I am on a deadline, so I'll probably end up releasing it. And I, you know what, I, you know, honey, this is your dream. So I, I really think you should, you know, you should release it. And it is my dream and you're ruining it. You're ruining my dream. No, I'm, well, I'm here, you know, and let's, let's, let's get through it. Come on, let's keep going. On February 16th, 1990, Robert Clark admitted that he was infamous family annihilator, John List. Is that clear enough for you? Robert Clark admitted that he's not real and he's John List. I see. Okay. After several more months, John List's court trial began. Everyone, including prosecutors, were eager to hear how he had made his escape and evaded capture for almost two decades. John List told the court that on November 10th, 1971, the day after the murders, he drove his car to JFK Airport and abandoned it. He then boarded a train from New York to Michigan and took a different train to Colorado. He settled in Denver and became an accountant, living under the name Robert Clark. He joined a Lutheran church and attended a church social in 1977, where he met a woman named Dolores Miller. He married her in 1985. It is worth noting that John List was continually plagued by financial problems throughout the 1970s and 80s. Friends and neighbors knew him as someone continually looking for work and who was very conscientious about his spending. When asked about his motives for the murders, John List explained that he had been fired from his job and was too humiliated to tell his family about it, and that the financial obligations in his life were crushing him. So congratulations, you actually did get one thing right. John List also detailed for the court his extremely unhappy marriage with Helen, who had been a serious alcoholic for most of their time together. According to John, Helen had initially pressured him into marriage by lying about a pregnancy while they were dating. They were married on December 1st, 1951. By the time List found out that it wasn't true, it was too late and he was legally bound to Helen. Sadly, this wasn't the only thing Helen had hidden from John during their courtship. Helen had contracted syphilis from her first husband who was killed in combat during the Korean War. She concealed her disease from both John and her doctors until 1969 when it was revealed during a routine physical. This means that Helen had been knowingly living with an untreated STI for 18 years. And by this time, the syphilis had become tertiary, meaning that the disease had migrated to her brain and drastically changed Helen's personality as a result. Ooh. Yeah. Like she was just, you think like, I'm she was just like, yeah. Yeah. According to John List, her syphilis, paired with years of excessive alcohol consumption, had transformed Helen from, quote, an attractive young woman to an unkempt paranoid recluse. Worst of all, according to John, Helen would get drunk and loudly disparage List's sexual prowess in public and at parties. She frequently mm -hmm. compared John's lackluster bedroom performances to those of her first husband. But now they probably, <clears throat> in hindsight, they're probably, you know, both a John, John and uh, the first husband probably had, um, yeah, I mean, they're probably lackluster because she was riddled with um, this, you know, syphilis. What are you the biggest, about? Well, you know, like that's, that probably, that diminished the, John's um, sexual prowess. You can't tell when someone has an STI. Just by fucking. I mean, this is you can't. I mean, sometimes you can, can you? It has to be like really. Is that you have to have like a herpes outbreak? But like, it's the only one I'm aware of. So that's all. I was just basing it on. Have you had sex with someone with herpes, Harry? 
Not, not during our marriage. Ugh. Aside from Helen, John List presented a whole host of reasons that he thought justified murdering his family. He claimed to have PTSD from his time in the army. Though he did not see any combat, he claimed he was abused as a child. He claimed that his children were straying from Lutheranism and that was upsetting him. John List also said that growing up, his father constantly instilled in him the notion that a man must provide for his family. And in losing his job, John List had failed at his most important duty in life. The court-appointed psychiatrist testified that John List suffered from obsessive compulsive personality disorder and that in the midst of all his troubles, he only saw two options to his problems. He could accept welfare or kill his family, where they would be sent to heaven. Welfare was unacceptable to John List because he feared his family would be ridiculed in their well-to-do societal circles. The classification for someone like John List is a family annihilator. This is someone who will kill their families, spouses, and children, and are unlikely to kill anyone else. 81% of family annihilators commit suicide after killing their families. Uh, And there are two types of family annihilators. Those who are abusive to their families for years and kill them if like the, the wife tries to leave. And the second type are more like your John Liss and your Chris Watts. And they are motivated by a misguided form of altruism because they kill their families because they believe they are saving them from some kind of like suffering or financial hardship. John Liss with his OCD personality refused to reflect on himself and change the behaviors that prevented him from holding down a steady job and instead focused on the problems within his family and society at large allowed those to overwhelm him and killed everyone. Mm. Just goes to show you with like, you know, people who get obsessed with things like it's not always a good thing, you know, like, you know, I, again, I'm, I know you, you know what I'm talking about. Cause like when, when it comes to your, <clears throat> how obsessed you are with true crime and your, your Etsy store, like that's a healthy obsession. Yeah. I would um, yeah, and so it is important to channel your obsessions the right way into, you know, um, a, you know, a hobbyist kind of podcast or, or what were you making the other day? Pop, popsicle stick, um, what was it? My rainbow popsicle sticks are for gay pride. Yeah. Yeah. What about them? Oh, well, you, you know, you were up like all night making those and... That's a good thing. Yeah. I Well, I had to tie-dye the popsicle sticks and it took me a long time to get the colors not to bleed together because when they bleed together, they just all turn into kind of a brown, a brownish color. And um, sorry, why are we talking? Why did you bring this up? I'm just saying that, you know, you've your obsession is, um, ha- I was going to say healthy, but that's, and that's not really the right word, but like that, it's, it's fine. It's, it's, it's creative and it gets you doing something. I yeah. am creative. Yeah. Whereas, you know, John List, he just got fixated on like these kind of, tra- you know, strange traditional like um, ideas. And he is like com- compelled to, you know, do, do something, you know, heinous. Whereas like, I, you know, you would, you would never do that. You would, you would soon, you know, if John Liss had had an Etsy store, he wouldn't have murdered his entire family. Or alternatively, if I didn't have an Etsy store, I would kill you. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that. Like if you didn't have an Etsy store, you'd, you know, you'd find like a flea market or, or something else to like. You are trying to disrail this podcast. I don't think disrail is a word, but. It is a, it is a word. It is a word. I have to look that up. All right. Apparently, it is very common for family annihilators to suffer childhood abuse, and they grow up to be very controlling adults because they are obsessed with obtaining the quality of life they were denied as children. However, when things don't go exactly according to plan, they snap, kill everyone, and then try to start over and build an entirely new life from scratch. At the end of his trial, John Liss was convicted of five counts of first-degree murder. The judge imposed the maximum sentence, which was, of course, five terms of life imprisonment without parole, all to be served consecutively. And John List uh, didn't live very long in prison. He died of pneumonia on March 21st, 2008. His body went unclaimed, but he was eventually buried next to his mother in a Michigan cemetery. 
which seems kind of rude, right? Like if, you know, if you murdered me, I don't want you to be buried next to me. No. Yeah. No, what I want, I want to. Right. If you murdered me, I mean, if, right. you know. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. I agree. 40 minutes in. I mean, that should just be a law, shouldn't it? Yeah. That if any, any murderer and victim shouldn't be placed next to one another. In yeah. Your... Yeah. Well, let's call the local congressman. We can call it Harry's Law. Is, oh, you're being sarcastic. Yeah. Okay. okay. Breeznoll, John's mansion, remained empty for a year before it burned down in August 1972. Investigators ruled arson as the cause of the destruction, but no one has ever been arrested for the crime. I'm pretty sure police probably didn't even bother investigating. A new house was built on the lot in 1974. In the aftermath of the fire, the insurance company discovered that the ballroom had a stained glass skylight that was a signed Tiffany original worth $100,000, which is more than $664,000 in today's money. So the sad irony of it all is that John List could have easily solved his financial problems without killing anyone if he had literally looked up. Oh, God. Yeah. Fun facts about John List. He was watching the episode of America's Most Wanted that featured his crimes the night that it aired with his wife sitting right next to him. He mm-hmm. was, quote, perspiring like anything, but his wife mm-hmm. didn't recognize him. Can you say denial? If you were on Most Wanted, I would, I would know. I would recognize you. I would want you to know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> why did, I mean, why didn't you just change the channel? Like well, that would have been even more sketchy if it's just like famed family annihilator up. What's the weather like? You know, you can't do that. Well, you can make up something. Oh, there's something I really want to watch on the next channel. Then you, you know, you change it, and it's like. Um, you know curling or something you'd be like yes john list probably was very into curling he seemed truly to be like one of the most boring people alive i mean who who starts a new life and their the job they go for is an accountant right like yeah yeah this kind of thing like again you you never do it but you'd think like uh if you did have to if you're like, you know, like when you watch the movie, The Fugitive, like if you had to run away from and you had to start your life again, like what would you do? You know, Right. I mean, I definitely wouldn't pick like, would you be if you ended everything and got a new life? Like, would you become a school teacher again? Probably not. So lame. Oh, I mean. Is it is it lame to to bring joy to children? I mean, do you bring children? well no i guess yeah i guess i just do i just do the the job but um but you know what i mean you know it's it's not the worst idea though because you know kids aren't watching america's most wanted i watched america's most wanted as a kid yeah i mean most you know you know you i mean i think you'll agree with me that you maybe from what i've heard from what you've told me and um, what Joyce has kind of um, hinted at is that you maybe weren't the most um, well-adjusted um, youth. Uh, even if that were true, it doesn't matter because I am now flourishing as an adult. So exactly, exactly. If um, I had a child, I would let it watch America's Most Wanted. I think forewarned is forearmed, so... Okay. It was a neighbor who had known the Clarks when they lived in Denver who turned John List into the FBI. That's kind of a fun fact. And because he disappeared in 1971, which was the same year that D.B. Cooper hijacked a plane in Portland, Oregon, for a long time, the FBI thought John List was D.B. Cooper. But uh, John List, being the most boring person to ever walk the face of the earth, uh, passionately denied it. And subsequently, he was ruled out as a suspect. Mm. and uh who's, who's db cooper what you've never heard of db cooper yes you have no it's like the most famous well i guess second most famous uh plane hijacking in american history after um you know 9-11 it was as i said in 1971 this guy in portland oregon hijacked a plane 
he said he had like a bomb and he got maybe $200,000 and he parachuted out of the plane and nobody knows who he was, who he was. So, oh, wow. yeah, it's pretty, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. It's, um, there's a lot of, I mean, I knowing your love of YouTube, there's a lot of documentaries about it on there. So yeah, I'm surprised it doesn't come up. Um, it's pretty interesting. I just want to say, I feel like we've, um, we've been talking about, um, some have been lying a lot in this podcast. So I just want to say, let's not, let's kind of avoid, avoid talking about him from now on if that's that's okay with you yeah sorry is he upsetting to you am i triggering you people people like you know it's is there are enough you know people who like covering this like you know bin laden um conspiracies or you know and things like that out there like um you know the info wars which you don't you know as you said you know you you want to avoid so it's more like i was trying to imagine what you want sorry in my life in the media that i consume no one is talking about bin laden because it's 2022 and he was killed at least seven years ago i don't know the date so does he come up in the media that you're consuming alternative um yeah a fair bit yeah but um all right you know and that's why i want to avoid it i don't let's people don't no one is talking about him and most people aren't listening to things that are talking about him well yeah but then you know you keep bringing him up so i just want to say let's focus on you brought him list well list is the bad person in history we're focusing on today not bin laden so let's not bring him up again please Well, there you have it, folks. That is our story for episode three of Deadly Ever After. Um, yeah, I highly recommend checking out John List more. I mean, I got every fact and detail that I could, basically. So, um, but still, it's a it's a great story. I find it just rife with irony. Mm. The whole skylight thing. Yeah, the skylight thing. And you, yeah, you you did a great job researching this. Like, there's so many. Thank you yeah and i you know again sorry for i did i felt like i interrupted you i got a bit caught up on the who robert clark was um for a bit there so sorry about that um because i think the you know if if it would have been more it would have been better for the listeners because i think you really built built up to that that revelation that i i might have a real person i might have overreacted to your interact i mean you are just trying to follow on the story so I think it's still, I think they'll still find it entertaining. Um, and honestly, listeners, I have, if you find Harry's interruptions, like let us know in the comments, tell us that, you know, I mean, he's always going to be a co-host, but um, maybe if you request him to interrupt less, he will, since um, me requesting it isn't doing it. So yeah, please, please rate and review um, us on iTunes. I've, I've interrupted again. I, well, this interruption was, I think, I think this, this interruption is okay. Cause I do want to say that I am, I am learning to be more open and I'm learning to accept criticism, um, uh, from you, Elizabeth, um, because, you know, because, uh, I'll say it, I'll say it on the podcast, you know, we, uh, we have our, we have our issues sometimes, but you know, at the end of the day, I still love you. And, um, but I will say that, um, for anyone, if it's you or if it's the listeners who want to give me feedback, please, uh, give me feedback. Um, but you know, be respectful, um, because you come at me with a bit of attitude. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm not. So just do be respectful when you give your feedback. Um, and, um, yeah, that's it for that inter- interruption. I, yeah, please don't leave us like nasty reviews um, because they are not appreciated. So, and they will get deleted. They have been deleted immediately. So, you're wasting your time to leave those kind of reviews. And I Um, can't delete those. I emailed them, I asked them, and they said no because it interferes like with the integrity of the rating system. So, they're up, they're there. Exactly. So listeners, you've seen 
you've seen how upset she's getting at these reviews. I'm so upset. just think about I'm not upset. I guess well, <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm, I'm forgetting that this is an audio medium and listeners can't see you right now. Um, but no, but uh, trust me, trust me, she's upset. I. No, I am not upset. But if we do happen to get any patrons, um, I would be open to releasing um, like a video, a video component to the podcast. I don't know what you would call that. Um, like kind of like a, like what Joe Rogan does or mm. Carol, like something like that. We could do that. Mm. Um, except they don't interrupt each other. So thank you. Listen, Joe Rogan interrupts. Joe Rogan. No, he doesn't. Hmm. To listen to more Joe Rogan, I think. I think that's the last thing that you need to do. Okay. Listeners, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Deadly Ever After. No more interrupt. Sorry. No more interruptions. I just want. Please join us uh, after this one. Uh, sorry, I just after this one because I just remember you, you are- won't you won't plug it. But this is uh, I'm doing it. I just want to say to listeners, uh, if you have time jump onto Etsy and check out uh, Elizabeth's craft um, popsicle stick rain tie dye. They're drinksters for Pride Month. That's what they are. But they, I use popsicle sticks because they're recyclable. Um, you know, they're not adding more garbage to the environment, which like there's a lot of, you know, there's more stuff on Etsy that maybe is like of a higher quality, but mine is um, recyclable. It's, you know, it's a little more eco-friendly. So thank you, Harry, actually, for, for boosting that. That I appreciate yeah, no, I would just want to, you know, and, and honestly to listen, like, even if you just buy a couple and you. They're competitively priced. Yeah, they're, they're very reasonable. They're like, I think they look really nice. And if you decide you don't want them, they're popsicle sticks. Chuck them out. Okay. You didn't have to add that part. 